And welcome back, Ruth Nation listeners. Today on the show, we have a very special guest. We're welcoming in Reed Peterson. Reed, how are you? Today, it's been one of those days, but we're just keeping it real. All right, all right, all right. How is the weather there? Uh, it's surprisingly cold and wet. <laughs> I was hoping to hear better news. <laughs> you know, know, in the land of um, 300 days plus of sunshine, it's yeah. weird to get rain here. So yeah, it's a surprise. Okay. But yeah. I look at it as cleansing. It's okay. just kind of cleansing our souls, cleansing our our uh, 2021, ready to let go of stuff. And so it's a big metaphor. I think yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that and mentioning that. We're going to just jump right in here. Um, if you would have to describe yourself, who are you? Well, I'm going to preface that by saying I think it changes day to day. But today I would say that I'm a compassionate soul. I'm a deep listener. I'm a lifelong griever. I'm a considerate husband, caring human. And hey, let's even throw in a, a tech entrepreneur. How about that? All right, all right, <laughs> all right. Well, it, I it's an honor for me to meet you. Um, we um, after speaking on yesterday, and uh, I did get an opportunity to um, look over your app and everything. Uh, you're just amazing. Exactly what the Greek community needs. So, if you could share your trans um, your transition through those personal losses that um, became your greatest lead. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. My story. Actually, that's one more thing I'd say about who I am. I'm a storyteller. All right. I kind of forgot that. (laughs) My story of loss and living again um, goes back to 2006. And in 2006, my biological father died by suicide. And at the time that he died, I was about 1500 miles away. I was in a program for graduate school. I kind of say it ironically, the the type of school I was studying, it was uh, transpersonal psychology. And the way I describe that is it was like these studies of practices that help people gain higher consciousness rather quickly. And so, you know, there's a lot of Eastern based meditation studies, there's yogic practice, there's even psychedelic drugs that are being studying, studied. And so when he died i kind of jumped into this mindset of like wow my dad's suffering is over because my dad suffered from alcoholism and he also suffered from post-traumatic stress uh, due to his active service in the vietnam war and being exposed to agent orange and so i felt a lot of relief and at first it brought me joy i was I genuinely and authentically felt relief that his life life of suffering was over now. But then years went by and started feeling guilty about, as I'd recall memories of our experiences together and also that he was no longer here. So then two years after he passed, uh, my stepdad, Warren, who was very active in my life, a father figure for me 
he was diagnosed with multiple myeloma and he battled that type of cancer for eight years, June 3rd, 2016. And when he died, I had this perception of like, well, I've been here, done that. I should be good. But to my surprise, I actually felt more loneliness. I felt more sadness. Um, and I just, just kind of rocked my world. So it got me to a place of seeking help in my local community. I live in the Santa Barbara, California area, and I found a bereavement support group, which was fantastic. I also found a grief counselor who was very, very good. And at the same time that I was having these positive experiences, I was really struggling with the in-between. I was noticing I would meet with the professional or the group members and feel comfort. But then a day or two later, I would recognize, oh, it's almost like the loneliness feels even that much more so. And so I feel like uh, through that loss and through that grieving process, um, a seed was planted. And after doing some personal work for a couple of years, I, I found a, a mentor, uh, a man named Alan Wolfelt, who provides grief education trainings. And I went through his program and got certified in death and grief studies and eventually started what's called Grief Refuge, um, which is a mobile app for grief support. Yes, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you said so much in there. And I'm, I really want to talk about uh, male grief. And I'm so glad that you're on the show because a majority of my um, featured guests are women. So it's great to have um, the opposite and to be able so that we can have those eyes and ears to be able to see and know that, you know, men grieve as well. They may grieve differently, but um, what are some of those common myths about men, about male grief? Well, I think the most common myth that comes to mind is that a man just doesn't want to talk about it. it. I say it's a myth because it's got like, almost like on the surface level, it's got a lot of truth to it. But I think that how I'd rephrase it is that a man doesn't, a man doesn't want to talk about grief until he feels absolutely safe. And I think men men stereotypically i know there's exceptions to this but men stereotypically almost like test their environment more than probably you know a, a, a woman or a transgender or i i don't know but it's like it takes more time um that's more of the truth for a man to open up about his grief because he's essentially tracking the environment and you know kind of going back to the prehistoric days of biology and stuff like that and some of the hunter-gatherer philosophies uh you know it's always about hunting or being hunted and so i feel like when grief and how heavy it can feel and how raw it can be for a man he just needs to know that there's safety around him and sometimes even safety within him um, because grief can be so foggy and so detrimental in the experience before a man will talk about it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I also think too, because at early ages, you are taught to be, you know, strong and, you know, um, you're discouraged to even express and to be vulnerable, you know, without any complaint, you know? So I think that has a lot to do with it too. You know, the way that a person was raised because, you know, um, even for myself, um, having three girls and two boys, I know there was a difference in, you know, if my son cried and it's like, oh, stop that, hold you, you know, hold back your tears. So, you know, um, kind of doing that wrong, but didn't know because, you know, that's how I was taught, you know? So a lot of that does have, to, you know, I think as far as men goes and exactly to the point that you stated um, that they have to feel safe. And we were teaching that you know, at, 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 well, I know I was, I can only speak for myself, but I was teaching my son wrong for him not to be able to express himself, you know, which led to more of the, like you said, not feeling safe and not wanting to express yourself. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. Now, when you were going through a difficult time, what are some of the things that helped you? I was really lucky, Miami, to live near the ocean. And I think there's powerful healing energy in the ocean. I don't know if it's like the, oh, what are they, the negative ions they emit? They emit um, but like, here, here's the metaphor that I've grasped onto is that there's always something moving in the ocean. So there's always motion. And so I, I've come to learn that being on the shores, whether it's walking or just sitting there, and essentially just staring out into the water. Yeah. But that energy has such power to it that it felt like it was helping things move through me, which was my own emotion. So that definitely was amazing in my experience. And, and I know that only a small percentage of people that are grieving live on the coast and have that ability to go near the water, such as uh, salt water. So I'll also say hiking in itself as a man, um, movement is really important, uh, physical activity. I was just talking to a gentleman yesterday who's really struggling in his grief process. And he told me he's more mechanical. And, you know, our minds may think, oh, mechanical, like he fixes stuff. But what he meant was he's that much more hands-on. And so just sitting and crying all day long is very, very hard for him. He's got to get up and he's got to move around. And I actually made a recommendation because I, he lives in a, a very kind of foresty wooded area. I said, grab an ax and just start hacking away at some trees. You know, ask for a blessing first, but hack away at some trees, chop yourself some firewood and put a lot of that emotion into motion. So um, remembering your question, uh, being in nature, uh, being at the ocean and also hiking are probably the biggest pieces to helping me work through my own grief process. I love that. I, I love the fact that you gave him an exercise to do and um, further, further into your point earlier about the movement and getting him, you know, going and actually being able to chop that wood and use it for some for, you know, for good use to you know, create a warmthness, you know, of his home or just, you know, putting, releasing, um, putting it into, putting it into the fire. Oh, I love that. Mm, yummy. That was great. <laughs> so you shared a little bit about Grief Refuge. Now, what are the benefits of this app? Well, that's always been a challenge for me to say, because I'm not a tremendous marketer. 
but I can share what feedback has been provided to me from people who use it. They say that they feel daily inspiration and that really helps them stay focused on their healing. They say um, the app is very voice activated. There's a lot of audio to it so that they say that whoever that person is that narrates those daily refuge messages, they have a soothing voice and that really helps them feel comforted. And then they say that the, the, mu- the messages themselves, I like to call them musings, they're filled with compassion and they're filled with wisdom related to the grief process. Now I'm putting air quotes around the because we know the really means your grief process. Everybody's just so unique. Yeah. Uh, lastly, I think another benefit is like a lot of people also say that they feel validated um, you know, for all the thoughts and all the feelings that they have because grief is complicated and there's a lot that goes on inward as well as there's a lot that goes on outward in relationship to the world in relationship to other people or their loved ones. And it just hands down, I feel like the best word to describe it is it is complicated, but that's also normal. And then, um, because it is technology based, it's just very convenient. A lot of people can access it at you know three in the morning when they're dealing with insomnia and perhaps it can help them get back to sleep or something like that. So those are that's the feedback that's been shared with me. I appreciate you asking. Oh, it, it's a wonderful tool to have. So I'm, I'm so grateful that I've got an opportunity to meet with you and speak with you and share that with my Grief Nation listeners, because a lot of times I know um, working with the gun violence prevention movement, um, you know, we would often talk about you know, when we would have our um, sessions, moms would just talk. Um, and we would definitely talk about the, that three o'clock in the morning. What could I do? You know, um, um you can and then as a giver of who can support you yeah you can call me at three in the morning but i'm asleep you know what i'm saying so it's like this is a great tool for someone that i don't necessarily have to not that you feel like you're bothering people and we don't definitely we don't definitely don't want to think that you know if you have friends that says call me at any time but this is another tool that we know that will be there no matter what. So I'm so grateful that you um, had the courage to even go through that whole process because I can only imagine how um, strenuous that was to build an app. That's amazing. So thank you. Thank you for your, um, your gift that you're giving to the world. Stay tuned. It's the Miami Night Show. We'll be right back. What's up, Grief Nation listeners? And thank you for tuning in to another segment on It's the Miami Night Show. I told you this season I was going to be bringing it. And we have Reed Peterson sharing his Grief Refuge app. So make sure you go and download this app so that you have a valuable tool for your unique journey. Um, also, what, what, what has been the most important lesson that you've learned over your journey? Well, it's just two words, um, go slow. I, I really think that, you know, you know, here's something that's really interesting about my, my whole experience in grieving and living. I've received many compliments from many people in all phases of life that have said, wow, Reed, you've got really good patience. And I agree with that. But when I look back a lot of, about some of my you know, death-related losses with loved ones. Um, I've pushed myself, you know, I've I've really found myself 
way more anxious than in any other phase of life. And so I've learned that I've got to have patience. And along with that, it's almost like in order to have patience, you have to have self-compassion. And how I define self-compassion is like more of like that kind inner talk that happens with, you know, within these walls up here. <laughs> um, just because like, it's so easy to doubt. It's so easy to be hard on yourself. It's so easy to just be mean, be mean to me. And uh, just doesn't get you anywhere, especially when you're grieving. Yeah, that's so true. Um, what are some best practices for others to understand the grieving process, you would say? Ooh. Well, I think, you know, what's interesting is in the age of the internet, I think that a lot of people who are in acute and raw grief where it's like, it feels as new as it can be in it, you know, everything that's being felt and thought of right now is just way beyond intense. It's overwhelming. I, I think that a lot of people, you know, lean towards the internet and then they try to find something to read, whether that's a blog, an article, um, or maybe even finding a book. And I know that works for many, but I can't say that it works for all. And so I just want to with that said, I just want to say, because it's so convenient, you may think that you need to go find more information to help you understand your grief and understand the pain you're going through. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't advise against that. I'd just say that if it's not resonating with you, you know, try a different mean, um, you know, try reaching out to some community member or something to see if there's resources that can be pouring your way. Because it, it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to bet you've probably experienced this too, but you probably hear a lot of a lot from people who say, I just couldn't find what I needed. And then, you know, they often assume that there's really no resources out there. Well, in grief, I think that there's a lot of resources available and there, a lot of them are really good, but it's just, there's just something there. I'm still trying to understand this. There's, there's still something there where people just, it's almost like they want to find themselves fit into the experience that is the resource instead of like the resource helping to give them like a little bit of parameter or a little bit of guideline. And so coming back to your question, I think that just trust, trust the process that it will unfold because so many people say, well, what do I do now? Like, I mean, my life just got flipped upside down. I've got so much pain. I don't even know if I'm going to make it through the day. Well, that all may feel true but just trust the process unfolding before your eyes. So uh, another way of saying that is like, literally try to take it moment by moment. Absolutely. And what do you do now? Go to Grief Refuge, the app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, start there, you know? Wow. Um, yeah, because I found myself in that same situation. I, I remember when um, after a year, this was after a year after my son died by, uh, by gun suicide, I just wanted to be normal. You know, I wanted that for myself. And so I did a couple of things to help me get there, which was going to a vision board party because, you know, even trying to go out was very difficult, you know, even to the grocery store, you know, all of those things were, you know, were um, 
you know, just the normal things made me so anxious. So actually being invited somewhere and me actually saying, okay, I would go, um, really made a difference. But along that part of my journey, I still kept wondering, like, how am I going to be able to get this gut feeling every time that I hear suicide, how am I going to get rid of that? And so for me, I, when I kept having that experience, cause it's like, you know, when you get a new card, you see it everywhere. So I was hearing it every, everywhere, just all of a sudden it was, you know, it was amplified suicide, suicide, suicide. So for me, I just did exactly what you stated, which was trust the process. And I kept asking spirit to guide me to what I needed to help support me to be able to ingest this word, you know, to be able to be okay about it. And it still took me some time, but I started researching about um, suicide and, you know, how to get through grief through that. And that's how I found this training program on becoming a master grief coach. So being led, just like you said, you know, and trusting the process, Thank you so much for sharing that because that's exactly what helped me along my journey. And it, it doesn't work for everyone, but please listen to what Reed said. Really great information, Reed. Are there any, I know um, we, you did talk about um, some things, well, some recommendations, but do you have any other um, resources like books or movies um, that you think that you could share with the audience? Pretty much any movie these days, um, <laughs> because I don't know about you, Miami, but like, I feel like every movie I find, I, you know, I think even if the, like you read the description, it's like, oh, this sounds like, you know, this would be good and be like relaxing and like, oh, wait, okay, there's grief in this movie, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you my know, God. right, trigger. <laughs> it, it almost every show, you know, every program watch, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I, I'm seeing it more with laughter and playfulness, and, I, and I'm also acknowledging that it can be hard for many people because of that triggering response. Yeah. But like almost every program, you know, there's something related to death and something related to loss and grief. And, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, this is like continuing education because I'm kind of studying what I'm watching to see how, what kind of messaging they're portraying about grief. And, um, you know, I, uh, uh, there's one in particular that um, my wife and I have been watching recently, although um, the show is a few years old now, it's called All American. Oh, yeah. and, and, and I love that because, um, you know, I don't want to make a spoiler alert, but, but this young man is just trying to find his way and he, there's a lot of pressure on him and he feels responsible and he also deals with loss in his life, a lot of loss in his life. And, uh, I'm appreciating that whoever wrote mm -hmm. for this show, they, I feel like maybe they did do some of the training, the master grief coach training that you did or something, because not that they're sharing the story right or sharing the way of grieving process right, but they're sharing it in a healthy, authentic way. And I think that's the key word there is yeah. just whatever's authentic. And I think it's based because it's based off of a true story. Um, you know, so it's, you have some, um, validity there. So, uh, so yeah, I think I, I love the show too. That's one of me and my daughter's favorite things to watch. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now if you could go back and give yourself just one piece of advice, um, about your grief experience, what would that be? Well, I'm going to quote my mentor, Alan Wolfelt. He's got kind of this personal 
mantra, if you will, he says to himself before every time he would meet with a client because um, he's a psychologist by training and he's been doing grief related work for 40 years. He tells himself no rewards for speed. And I think that's a beautiful phrase. And if I were to go back and give my, my own self advice um, at a time of loss, I would probably, I wouldn't probably say it to myself right away. I'd probably say it to myself, perhaps maybe a couple months out or a few months after um, the initial death of my loved one, when that became moments when I would say, well, you know, life has continued, the world keeps going around and it's, you know, time for you to like man up and be a part of it now. And so, uh, no rewards for speed and uh, it helped acknowledge and accept that you know all the grief feelings you know they have their place yeah and i was thinking about this question earlier um because of our conversation on yesterday and you talked you talked about the different losses that you've had over time and how what is the advice for because um this particular loss is often looked over when you when you're talking about either a sibling loss or you know a child loss or it's rarely ever talked about but you were sharing that you had lost um I think your nephew or someone young and younger in your family how Mm -hmm. can you as a well you're the sibling correct or is it your oh I it was my sister's kid okay so how as a brother um experiencing that and and having um this you know this event this trauma in your family a traumatic event loss whatever you you want to consider it for you how was supporting um your sibling how how is was it hard for you i mean because you love your sister of course you love your but what some of the circumstances that made it difficult was that my sister um at the time she lost her child i was you know several perhaps 1500 miles away too i guess this this west coast thing you know there's a lot of this physical distance between a lot of me and my nuclear family members Mm -hmm. um because i grew up in the midwest and uh so this was before you know, video conferencing was a thing. Um, so all I could do was talk to her on the phone. And I remember her getting very quiet and I knew she was processing a lot of sadness. And it, for me, it was extremely uncomfortable because I was willing to sit within the uncomfortable silences and just hold space for that. And so that's the best that I could have showed up at the time. And, um, you know, just really appreciating that if, um, as years have gone by, in fact, um, you know, it's probably 15, 16 years later and my sister and their family, they, they still celebrate his birthday. And I think that's a beautiful experience. So I think in essence, Miami, I just want to make sure that I'm always, you know, even if I have a judgment, I remind myself, hey, it, it's not about me. It, you know, it's it's really about them. And so the more I can show up empathetically and the more I can just kind of leave my judgments at the door, 
that's the best way I, I feel like I can show up and support. Yeah, I think that's so, um, I, I really truly believe that we should have had that conversation um, to help other people to mend relationships or whatever it is um, at the time, because as you know, there's always uh, sibling rivalry sometimes, but when someone is going through something so um, tragic, um, how do we show up for them? And if it's just holding space, it needed to be said, because I know sometimes, I mean, I have, well, both of my siblings have passed now, but I know we have had times that we didn't get along at all. But when the family had to come together, they came together. And if it's like you said, just holding space. But I think in even today's time now, where there's the co- it's the COVID area era, and we're not really able to gather, how can we still be able to hold space for one another? And if it, if that's just sitting and being silent, as you stated, it has to be talked about to say it's okay to do. Because sometimes people just need to hear you say, just do that. You know. So thank you for sharing that. I know that was really off base of what we <laughs> worked, but I wanted people to hear um, how you would, um, whatever your suggestion was to be able to support their sibling because sibling, lo- not, I know it wasn't your your sibling that was lost. It was your sibling's child, but sibling, how to handle sibling grief is not talked about rarely. So it's, it's almost like it's a stigmatized loss because we don't talk about that. But we, I definitely wanted to open the floor to be able to say, how can I, assist my sibling that maybe have had a loss okay so you on your um on your podcast and also the um your app you have talked about um five ways um guilt can impact grief can you share that with us so i think the easiest one to conceptualize is survivor guilt because we mostly see that in a lot of the films and the shows that are produced as well as it's a real experience, especially in military service. And that's pretty much saying it should have been me. Um, You know, I should have been the person who died. And there's many reasons for thinking that way. But um, in a nutshell, survivor guilt is the first. There's also relief guilt. I alluded to that as part of my story when my biological father, um, when he died, And, um, man, I'm trying to think of if I could just say one additional thing about relief guilt, because it was so, such a part of my experience. I I guess I didn't allude to this earlier, but like, boy, did I feel not singled out, but did I feel like an outsider looking in? Because I I even remember at my dad's service, I was one of the speakers and afterwards my mom who had a terrible relationship with my dad um she looked at me and she said so you you really feel joy don't you and I as the years went on I remember her saying that to me and it just it almost like that memory fed more of the guilt Hmm. um and so yeah that was a tough one for me um you can have joy guilt um which is might be thought of similar as relief guilt but the difference is in joy guilt it's like you just almost like feel you're good you know like you you recognize oh i'm out of service you know we're honoring somebody who has passed everybody is you know wiping tears away everybody's feeling deep sadness everybody's feeling hurt but you're not 
you're not experiencing that. So it's often referred to, well, I still feel joyful or at least content. So that's one other type. Another one is called magical thinking. And with magical thinking, it's got a little bit similarities to survivor guilt, but the difference is that you feel guilty because you've probably had thoughts, you know, of somebody passing, like, you know, maybe in your own mind, you've expressed some inner rage or you've expressed some ill wishes. And then now all of a sudden, you know, the person physically does die. And so a lot of people say, well, it was my fault because I thought them to death. And so that's, uh, you know, a different type of guilt. Um, and that's called magical thinking. And then the last one is just uh, more about long-standing personality factors. So if somebody grew up feeling a lot of guilt for whatever reasons, you know, um, just family dynamics, etc., that can contribute to a lot of guilt that's felt during the grieving process too. Now I'll go out on a limb, Miami, and I'll say with long-standing personality factors, um, I think that. I don't know if it's most subcultures within American culture, but just, I don't know, a bit of our history. Like, I, I think there's a lot of history in American society of like how we've been brought up and things that have happened to um, races, to ethnicities, to certain groups and cultures. I, I feel like I, I've yet to work with anybody whether it be in groups or individually, who has never, who has said, I've never experienced guilt as a child. And so um, <clears throat> just wanted to mention that too, is like, it's common and it's normal to, to be raised feeling a bit guilty um, for whatever reasons. Um, you know, I, I have four siblings and I was like, I think, in larger family structures, uh, certain things happen with certain. I think I'm starting to head into a little bit of the psychology of everything, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step back okay. and and <laughs> no, just okay. say and just say those are the five um, categorized ways of guilt can impact grief. Hey, teach us, teach us. We 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 um, on the show. I like for my. Um, listening audience to learn as much as they can and I know you said that's going into the psychology piece of it but a lot of times people use this as a resource to be able to support themselves without you know um and I trust me I'm not stating oh don't go and um seek therapy or um talk to someone but a lot of times people um because of um culture they just feel that mm, I, that's not for me but they'll watch our podcast or they'll listen to grief refuge so anywhere where you can drop us some knowledge we will accept that and i show i, I truly appreciate learning um about the five about the, the types of the types of guilt because i can identify myself in each one of them from the childhood um long-standing personality factor um the magical guilt that i i had that with my sister the survivor's guilt that was my son um because of his story of losing his best friend in the initial shooting and he dies by gun suicide five years later because that whole um traumatic event that they were a, that he was a part of as well um so 
um, still even today um, on the death anniversary of his friend's uh, murder and my son was shot that same night, you know, we still contribute that day to his suicide because we know had that day, that day hadn't happened, my son would probably still be here. That's, you know, that's how we feel. But on the other side of that, I also feel that, you know, out of everything that has occurred, you know, his time here was his time here. So <clears throat> even though I can still think that and, and, and understand about the survivor's guilt and the relief guilt, I had some of that too, because my son had struggled for the five years after his best friend was killed and he was also shot and he was dealing with a traumatic brain injury. Um, when he finally passed, it was like, oh, he's not suffering anymore because I seen the suffering. I seen the, you know, the rehab. I saw all of that, that he had to go through. And then at some point I did have that relief. And, you know, sometimes when people hear that, they're like, that was a relief for you. Yes, it was because he was no longer hurting. He was no longer suffering, you know, um, because I saw, I was, I was there, you know, I saw him in the hospital. I was, you know, at every rehab appointment, I was there at every psychology appointment. I was there with every therapist appointment, you know, so I do know, you know, how that impacted him. So thank you so much for sharing those, um, five types of guilt. Now, where can the, where can my listeners find you? I think the easiest is the old school way. We'll throw out a website, griefrefuge.com. That you know, there's links to social media stuff. There's that's where the app can be gotten. It's just kind of like still the hub of where to find me. Great. Well, thank you I so much. My featured guest, this. Um, so share with us. Is there anything within the community that you would like to see change or bring something, some some attention or awareness within the grief community? Well, you know, I think that. You said the key word earlier, Miami, I, still things are stigmatized. And I, I'd really like to see more and more grief related, uh, you know, unique grief experiences feel normalized, um, feel more welcomed and just feel more honored. Uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, like, I also want to say, I'll share a short story. Um, when I was in graduate school, uh, a classmate, he died by suicide. And here I was at this graduate school where, you know, we were learning, you know, how to find higher consciousness, like at the snap of a finger. And when there was a, a memorial for John and at his memorial, um, there was even a, a very successful book author invited to speak. And what had happened was it, it really crushed me because this service was maybe a week after he died. And here I was sitting in this space where people were talking about like, just, you know, the beauty of his spirit living in, immortality and and i thought to myself whether that's true or not it didn't just didn't feel it just didn't feel right not in the form of right or wrong but more in the in the form of like where can someone grieve and mourn here where where can where's their room or an invitation to express the pain to express the loss 
And that really stuck with me because um, that actually was the first time I ever experienced that. Uh, I know that a lot of people lean towards life celebrations now, and I respect that. I think there is a lot of positive experience in people celebrating one's life and memory. But I also just want to make sure in answering your question that there's also room for people to feel the pain and not feel like they're being judged for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, you have been an amazing featured guest on It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk. Thank you so much for reaching out to us and coming on the show. Miami, you're welcome. Thank you for having this show. This is a great experience. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, Grief Nation listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another transformative segment on It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk. Today, we give thanks filled with love and gratitude to our special guests for expressing your very unique grief journey and sharing ways of understanding the healing process. This is your girl, Miami Night, with much love and light until we connect again spiritually. Bye-bye. It's the Miami Night Show. He's got me walking that Grief Talk, yeah. I talk about things you think about. It's Miami Night Show, Master Grief Coach.